Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Sex Magic Podcast. Today, I am so excited. I am joined by Portia Brown. Portia, do you want to introduce yourself to our guests? Of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to be here. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is Portia. I am a sex educator and sex coach. I am the founder of froeticsexology.com, which is an online resource for particularly women of color, femmes of color, who are looking to start their sexual liberation journey or looking for support and guidance in continuing their sexual liberation journey. Uh, The areas that I mostly help people with is around or are around communication, boundary setting, and helping people learn to identify, um, you know, the ties between the challenges we have in our platonic and regular everyday lives and our lives in sex and sexuality and the way we think and feel about those things. Mm, amazing. I'm so excited to have you here. It really is like an honor to talk to you. And um, I think something that we had discussed maybe focusing on today is how to really begin this journey and kind of what the steps for initiation are as you move forward in this path and like what it actually is to make that conscious decision to be perhaps more present with your sexuality and your relationship to it. What is your relationship to your sexual journey? Like, how did we get here? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big, big question. I think for me, I started when I was maybe 23 or 24. I was always a very sexual person, even like as a very young, like adolescent and even younger. Um, so when I moved out of my parents' house and I got to college, I started having sex. I started exploring my sexuality, started sleeping with different people of different genders and just really just exploring and letting myself try things Mm -hmm. and having as many experiences as possible. But by the time I got to be 23, 24, I started to observe myself a little bit more. Um, And some some of it was pretty judgy. Uh, I used to think, you know, you're not adventurous enough, you're not this enough, or you're too this or too that. But eventually my observations revealed to me that I wasn't being authentic in my sexual experiences, that I was still performing. And I think Mm. for me, that is where the journey really began is I wanted to learn how to stop performing in my sexual interactions with people and really show up more authentically. And I think I'm still on that journey. It's been about five or six years at this point. Mm. And I'm still sort of tearing down those walls that were placed up by society and by other people and by religion um, and starting to learn how to have sex, even with myself, right? Even in myself, more authentically. Um, So that's kind of how I started and where, where I'm at. Mm, Yeah. And I feel like that really is so relatable. I think there is that moment where you 
perhaps are with someone or even with yourself where you notice that performative pattern of like, oh, am I really showing up in my most authentic self kind of way in this um, intimate relationship? And even if that intimate relationship is with yourself, because I think that it's even very possible to be performative with yourself. And I'm curious, like, what does it really mean? And I don't know if there's an answer to this, but what does it really mean to have authenticity within the realm of sexuality? You know, I think the best questions are the ones that don't have real answers. But (laughs) my answer in this moment, in the year of our Lord, 2021, Mm -hmm. and is Authentic sex to me is rooted in decolonizing my mm-hmm. sexuality. And really, I always say that, you know, society gives us the script of how sex is supposed to go, how even self-pleasure is supposed to look or not look. And a lot of that is rooted in bullshit and patriarchy and white supremacy, et cetera. So for me, authenticity means removing those things and really finding out who I am sexually at my core without those things. And obviously that's not something that is easy. (laughs) That's not something I, um, I really foresee being able to fully accomplish my lifetime, Mm. but it's a pursuit and it's a journey that I'm on. That's why I use the word journey because, you Mm. know, most journeys never, never really end, um, until your life in this iteration is done. So for me, authenticity means sex without colonized constraints and ways of thinking about sex and sexuality. Mm. Yeah, there's so much that I am agreeing with in, in what you've shared. But I guess maybe for people who haven't heard the term like decolonizing, perhaps we can kind of, if you don't mind explaining what that means, especially in this landscape. Mm. Yes, that's a good question. So for me, and obviously there are many, many schools of thought around this and many different people will explain it different ways. But for me, decolonizing your sexuality means trying to get to the root of who you are without society's restrictions, right? If you've done any work around decolonizing your your way of thinking, that means investigating what thoughts you have that are your own and what thoughts you have and beliefs you have that are given to you by patriarchy, by white supremacy, by capitalism, um, by our consumerist sex negative culture. And that is a lifelong pursuit. And the more that we do it, the more we understand this, the way the web (laughs) is the way that I think of it, Mm. the web of all of these negative ways of thinking sort of span across and stretch across our lives. So it's not just about sex and sexuality, it's also about other areas of our life, right? Investigating, even zooming out just a little bit and investigating why maybe you select the partners that you choose. Mm. Is that based in some sort of racism, sexism, et cetera, et cetera? Why do you perform sex the way that you do? How is how are these systems influencing it? It's super complicated. We could I could write a dissertation about it, um, but that's just sort of a surface level explanation. Thank you so much. It is so much to unpack, and I think that we should be spending our whole lives to really understand this. And it really is just uh, 
it is interesting going back to the journey, like really, is there a destination? I think I feel as though we have to take this on as part of our sexual journeys as well to show up in authenticity. We have to remember that it's not just me, me, me. It's we're part of a collective as well. And we're part of a community. We're part of this culture and where we are now is also very much influenced by who we were and our past. And I think that it's our responsibility now that we have so much more access to knowledge with the internet and technology and sharing ideas through even Instagram. And um, we have to take on this responsibility to be as informed and to be as responsible with this insight and move forward with the reverence to the past and the responsibility to the future as well. Yeah, 100%. I always say how you show up in sex is how you show up in life. And if Mm. you are making it a point to investigate the way these systems impact your thoughts in your work life, in your familial relationships, eventually those things will trickle over into your sex life as well. Mm. How how would you say that maybe has manifested in maybe some of your clients that you could give examples just um, for our listeners who maybe haven't noticed that in their lives yet? Sure. So I always ask people to look for areas in their sex life that they struggle with. Mm. And for a lot of people, especially women and femmes, it comes through things like speaking up and actually being able to articulate even to partners that we love and we know love us what it is that we want and need during sex. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, that's your pain point. That's that's the thing we want to work on. Where else in your life is that showing up? Are you letting people grab French fries off of your plate at restaurants who you love and you know they love you, but you don't want to share your French fries? (laughs) Start to speak up in those those small, like lower risk moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, does Does your work friend stand at your desk for a little bit too long chatting and you don't ask her him or her them politely you know I really need to get back to work I'd love talking to you but can we continue this after hours etc etc right so I always encourage people particularly when it comes to setting boundaries when it comes to communicating to look for areas outside of the bedroom where they have those same sort of issues. But if you struggle to do that in your platonic life, that could be an area that you begin to work on. And eventually speaking up with your partners and articulating your needs, wants, and desires around sex and sexuality may become easier because you've had practice in sort of a lower risk situation. And you've also had a lot of practice seeing what the result of your communication is because most of the time when we speak up and we say, Hey, I would actually prefer this or that, or I'd not prefer this or that most people, if they are reasonable will respond respectfully. And I think for a lot of people, we just need that positive reinforcement that if I speak up, we're going to, I'm going to be okay. So often we feel like if I ask for what I need, it's going to make this person upset or hit them the wrong way. When most of the time, if that person is reasonable and they truly care about you, they'll respect what you're asking for. Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting to me how our voice is such an integral part of our sexuality. Using your voice and like you said, communication, which includes setting boundaries and having those 
vulnerable, uncomfortable moments. And it is really interesting. I think a lot of people do fear the response after they set a boundary. And I wonder why that is. And if it's a knowing, perhaps that person maybe won't respect your boundaries. It is an maybe, I don't know, I'm kind of going into the realm of spirituality here. Are we maybe one, projecting or two, sensing that something isn't right and not listening to our intuition? Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is absolutely accurate. I, I think on some level, we all have the ability to sense what people's responses may be. Mm -hmm. Um, Know that when we ask for things for certain from certain people, they're not going to honor our request. And I think on an, an even deeper level, we may even have the understanding that that means something about us, or we may feel that that means something about us. Why, how, and why did I end up in this situation where I'm with a partner that's not going to honor my request? And how do I manage that? How do I handle that? How do I have that conversation with myself and then with them as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we're taught to suppress our intu- intuition. We don't honor and respect that part of our ability as human beings. But once we do honor that and we can we can begin to sense those things and, and react to them, we can have those conversations with people and then say, okay, this person is not on the level that I need them to be um, in order to engage with them sexually, emotionally, romantically. So I get to move on to something else to someone who is going to honor who I am and what I need. Mm. But what do you think? Because I feel like that's so much easier said than done. And I'm speaking from personal experience. When you know something isn't right and you know that you're not aligned and maybe someone isn't receptive to your boundaries or isn't receptive to your needs, what is it that you need in order to make that choice to step away? I think it's a couple of things. So if you're with someone and you have that gut feeling that, you know, I'm going to ask them for something and they're going to have a negative reaction. I think you had number one, need to develop the muscle to listen to that mm. and either speak up and give that person the space to perhaps surprise you, right? Give that person the space to perhaps actually honor your needs or let them reveal to you who they actually are and what their intentions actually are. And then make a new choice from there, right? Sexual liberation is all about healing. For me, it's all about healing from the things that I have been wounded by that were not my fault, that were not brought on by me, but just because of the world that I live in. I'm a black woman. Like there are things that are beyond my control. And one of the things that healing does, healing journeys do is they present you with new opportunities to make new choices. So you'll see a similar situation over and over again, but you get to make a new choice. And that is part of the way that we heal. So if in the past you have had that gut feeling, you've had that sense and that intuitive notion that this person is not going to honor your needs, or if I speak up, it's not going to be a positive interaction. When you're presented with that same situation, but with a new person, you get to make a new choice. So you can either one, follow your intuition and just end the interaction as best you can, or you can continue by speaking up and see what happens next. So Mm -hmm. I think that we have to learn to build those muscles just like you would anything in your physical body, Uh, that, that intuition, that muscle of making new choices it has to develop over time and you can't be judgmental towards yourself 
if you feel like you haven't made a new choice or a better choice yet, because eventually you will. Mm, I love that you said it's a muscle because muscles need training. We need to practice. We need to grow. And it's not an overnight thing. And I think there's maybe a lot of pressure that the healing journey is like, aha, I have decided that I am now healing and therefore I'm going to be the best version of myself. And, oh, that would be so lovely. Like if that was the fairy tale, but it's not authentic, right? Going back to authenticity. And I love that you said it's a muscle to practice. And that's something I definitely want to carry with me as I like move forward. So we've talked about communication and boundaries, and we're adding to the toolkit of what you're going to need for your sexual liberation journey. So, okay, we're like gathering all of our tools. What would you say are some of the other things that are really important and integral to this path? Oh, yes. For me, the first thing is self-observation and mm. self-observation without judgment. I I would say the first, like I when I was telling you the story of how I started this journey, it was through observing myself, absorb, observing my thoughts, observing the way I thought about my thoughts and doing my best not to judge myself for any of it. So for me, having that ability to reflect on who I am and what I think is key. And for me and for my clients, I encourage people to find a way to record yourself and record your thoughts. Um, My practice is journaling. I love to write. I love the act of having a pen in my hand and a notebook. I love the act of reading it back. Journaling is not for everyone. Not everyone likes that practice. So one thing that's super easy is to make a voice memo on your smartphone or record yourself on your phone. You don't actually have to like hold your face to the phone, but record your voice, having a conversation with yourself and talking through the things that you are thinking and feeling and whatever you're concerned about. Having a record of where you are is the best way to track your progress and to also observe yourself because my observation isn't just in the moment. It's observing my past self mm-hmm. and looking back at past iterations of myself. And again, seeing how far that muscle has come and how much it has grown and begun began to strengthen itself through my through my practices and through making new choices. So self-observation is key and recording yourself is key. Mm, that's so true. I feel I feel like self-observation is um I know kind of one of the most important things in life because if you don't take that time to one, be present and to kind of like reflect on what you are experiencing, you never really are able to comprehend or experience what is going on in your world. And I think self-awareness is a really big part of a spiritual path as well. So I guess I'm curious, what is your relationship to spirituality? And um, maybe even where did your spiritual path begin and where is it now? And we are the Sex Magic Podcast. So how does it (laughs) connect to your sexuality? Ah, I love this question. So I (laughs) am very connected to my spirituality and I always have been. I was raised in the church and that is a whole other podcast episode is dissecting. (laughs) Unfortunately, organized religion unloaded a lot onto me that I now get to do the work of unloading and relearning and all of that stuff. However, what it did give me is an understanding that the divine is real 
and that there is there are forces in this universe beyond myself that I need to honor and connect with, right? And also within myself that I need to honor and connect with. And now as I'm I'm reaching my late 20s, I'm trying to sort of rebuild what that looks like for me, what um what prayer and ritual looks like for me. And for me, the divine is the thing that is inside of myself that I'm constantly trying to extract and interact with and figure out what it is and where it is. So all of it is very new for me outside of organized religion. And it's something that I am actively learning and practicing and again, observing how it connects to my sexuality is through pleasure. For me, pleasure is something that's given to us by the divine and it's a way for us to connect deeply with ourselves because I believe those two things are one and the same, the the divine forces in the universe and also within us. So I feel like through pleasure, that is our way of connecting those two things. I hope that makes sense. I feel like- Mm, Yes, (laughs) definitely, definitely makes sense. And I can relate to that. Um, Yeah, it is interesting how- we have to uh, unlearn some of the the teachings of organized religion, but similar to what you said earlier in the beginning, you always felt um, like connected to your sexuality, even as a child. I feel though, as though that spirituality is something that we're just innately connected to as well. Even as children, I think maybe because we're closer to the, um, to the other realms when we're a child, like we just got to this physical realm. We just, always have that close connection as children and we have wonder and we're more in tune with our intuition and our imagination, our sense of play. And I think that pleasure is also a huge part of that. When you're a child, you don't really need anyone to teach you pleasure at all. It's, oh my gosh, this, uh, you know, this grass feels so good and I love sugar. It makes me feel good. This is pleasure. And it's so interesting to me how, you know, part of the, the sexual liberation journey is about this cycle of coming back to what we already know in our spiritual body, in our sexual body, in every way and how it connects to everything. Because I think that's what the divine is, is, is connection. It's Mm -hmm. our connection to each other, our connection to ourselves, to our, you know, beautiful worlds that we live in. And, um, yeah, so it's, you know, I think really beautiful to have these journeys coincide and to connect to each other. I love that you just said that the sexual liberation is journey is coming back to what we already know. I had a really interesting um, interaction with my sister's midwife Mm. and we were, we were talking about sex and she said, well, you know, there are, what are they called? Ultrasounds of babies in utero self-pleasuring. Like this thing is as natural as it comes. And I was like, well, I was so blown away because I always say, you know, we're sexual beings from the time we emerge from the womb. But she was like, no, you're a sexual being even in the womb. Like, you know it as soon as, as soon as you begin to form. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing and also supports what you're saying. It's absolutely true that all of this is returning to the things that we already know. Before we knew how to speak, we knew how to comfort ourselves through pleasure before we even opened our eyes and saw the world we knew how to comfort ourselves through pleasure that's it's just wild to me and so beautiful 
I cannot believe that. I did not know this either. Wow. No, yeah. I just found that out a couple of months ago, actually. Wow. So it's, you know, like pleasure and connection to self is, is something we always have and we always have had and we always will have. And going back to decolonization, I feel like so much of that is control, trying to control a group of people or trying to control ideas or trying to control a government, a culture. And, oh, wow, you really can't do that. But I mean, look at history. We have so much that we can say like, yes, this did happen, right? But now how can we kind of like work with this theme of control in our personal relationships? Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves to maybe control our sexualities in certain ways and limit ourselves in perhaps this, you know, natural relationship of pleasure? And I feel as though pleasure is our birthright. Mm, Yes, this is really, really complex. And I think it's really important that we in our daily lives ask ourselves these types of questions because we're all to the point, I shouldn't say we're all to the point, but I would assume a lot of people on this podcast or that listen to this podcast have an understanding that there's a reason the world wants to suppress who we are sexually. When we don't have sexual exploration, when we don't have access to pleasure, it is easier to make us believe that we are meant for suffering and therefore mm. it's slaves to capitalism and all of the other evils of the world, right? But we, we duplicate it to ourselves and in our own relationships. And I hope I'm answering your question accurately, but I'm going to answer the question I heard. <laughs> um, but we, cho- we still find ourselves sort of duplicating that same sort of control and suppression in our own relationships. And I think a lot of that is tied to fear, fear of the unknown, fear of not knowing what will happen if we really just open up and be who who we actually are, fear of looking our demons in the face and investigating them and not being afraid of them, fear of looking into our own jealousy, our own self-hate, our own insecurities, etc. It's easier to just control and offer and offer restraint and restrictions in our own sexual sexual lives than it is to investigate all of those things that it requires mm. for us to be free. Yeah, that is powerful. It's so true. Yeah. 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 I um Sorry. It's so interesting because I think one of the reasons why I I wanted to do this podcast was because so many of these teachings were behind closed doors. Sex magic was not something, I think there are many different cultures and traditions, of course, which is what we seek to explore here, having, you know, explorations of these different modalities. But for the most part, there was a large period of time throughout history where, you know, sexuality was kind of taken out of the language and hidden. And, you know, you couldn't learn Kabbalah, for example, unless you were a man over the age of 40. There were a lot of these traditions that were once available that were taken by patriarchal systems and then hidden for a long period of time. And our sexuality really is a great source of power. There has been an ebb and flow of 
spiritual freedom and spiritual control. I think with the rise of um, Western religion, it was spirituality is something you have to get at the church. You have to go through someone to get divinity. You have to, you know, consult someone else when really similar to our sexuality, it's, it's always within us. And so I think it's very important to kind of like understand the, the lineage and the history and realize that it is something that shouldn't be away from us that we have to go through someone else to understand that it is always part of us. And that these teachings, any spiritual belief is just to support what is already there. Like you are your greatest source of magic. Mm, yes. Yes. I love that. And I think that once, once people truly understand that and embrace that, or you're at least on the path to understanding that and embracing that the rest of your life, it's like a domino effect. The rest of your life will fall in alignment, especially, you know, in America and the Western world in quote developed nations. And I'm using air quotes around that. Um, <laughs> there's a belief that everything we need, we have to access through something else down to our groceries. And I yes. guess, this is all a way of establishing control and taking choices away from us and disempowering us. Um, when really we, we, since the dawn of time, and when I say we, I mean human beings, we've been able to access food and cultivate whatever resources we needed from in partnership with the earth but we no longer have that. Right. So things like our food sources have to go through someone else. So it only makes sense that, you know, we build these things up and up and up and eventually our, um, our spirituality also falls in line with that practice. And our sexuality also falls in line with that practice. Right. I don't know how many women and femmes I speak to who are like, I don't really masturbate. I don't think I need to do that because I have a partner who lives with me. And I'm like, you don't have to wait for them. <laughs> you know, what if, what if your yes. desire is not in alignment, you're going to deny yourself pleasure because your partner doesn't feel like pleasuring you. You're going to deny your partner pleasure because you don't feel like pleasuring them. You know, it's, it doesn't have to come through someone else. Same thing with spirituality, same thing with everything else. Yeah. It's, it's like our responsibility to take care of ourselves first. I think, um, when you're on an airplane, right. They say, put your face mask on first yes. and then the child or then the person next to you. Yes. Because if you don't have your face mask, uh Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, this is confirmation. So this morning I was reading a book called please by black girl bliss. It's a great book. This is the second time I'm reading it. I'm reading it. And this is the second book by Black Girl Bliss that I'm reading. And she said something like, you always hear the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. But what we forget is we're not really supposed to be pouring <laughs> into other people. We can give from our overflow, but we are responsible for our, our own full cup and keeping our cups Full. And I think that is something that we often forget. It's just like the face mask. Like, how are you going to support someone else if you cannot first sustain yourself? How are you going to pour it into someone else if what you're pouring is really meant for you? Mm. You have to give from the overflow. 
Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, we feel like we are, when we are replenishing ourselves, it's just getting ready to come back up and out to someone else instead of staying with us. And that includes our sexuality. So often we, we spend a lot of time researching different things we can do to spice things up, quote, spice things up to add to our sexual experiences for our partners, but never do the same work for ourselves and our own sexuality. That is so true. Even with myself, I feel as though um, something that I've been trying to practice is the seduction of myself. I think it's very easy to, you know, when you go to self-pleasure to just be like, okay, I'm self-pleasuring now, but you would never do that with a partner. You would never just put your hand on their pants without (laughs) uh, foreplay. So why don't we gift ourselves that why don't we give ourselves some sensual touch and create an atmosphere or whatever it is that makes you feel more connected to yourself? Mm-hmm. That's very true. One of the things that I all I speak with my clients about frequently is not, not always making pleasure explicitly sexual. There are moments when mm, yes. you can, of course, self-pleasure and of course, experience orgasm in whatever way that you choose to, whether it's using your hand or a toy or some other apparatus. But what other ways throughout your day, your week, your month, are you experiencing pleasure? Like you wouldn't accept a relationship from a partner long-term anyway, where it was just sex, didn't cultivate any other Mm -hmm. type of relationship with them, never shared a meal with them. You did never have intimacy with them. How are you creating intimacy with yourself too, you know, how can you also cultivate that in your relationship with yourself and as you explore your sexuality? Absolutely. So true. I, um, I was like on a hike with one of my married friends. We were talking about sex recently and I told her, I was like, yeah, my best sex is with myself. Always has been. (laughs) I was going to say, I think a lot of people feel a way about that and they feel like they're kind of Um, dismissing their partners when they say that. But personally, I think that's the Mm -hmm. way that it should be. Mm, Definitely. And going back to what you said about sexuality, not really just being about having sex, I feel as though when you embark upon a like sexual liberation journey or even just deciding to be more connected to your sexuality, it is not about the physical act of sex. It really is how you carry yourself, how you are in touch with yourself, how intimate you are with yourself and how you move through the world. Because I feel as though it just ripples out into every part of your life in a lot of different ways. Like we've talked about how we set boundaries. And as you said, how you show up into the bedroom is how you show up in real life, right? Mm -hmm. But if we allow ourselves to have a relationship with our erotic nature. I think that how we, how we connect to our world is erotic. And I'm someone who kind of identifies as being ecosexual. So for me, I find sexuality present in nature and I feel very like sexually connected to nature, not in a, I want to have sex with a tree kind of way, but I feel that beautiful, loving connection to the world around me. And I think that's also very divine and very spiritual as well. And I think to deny ourselves that intimate relationship with the world around us is, um, 
is sad because <laughs> there's just so much yeah, erotic I agree. presence in I the world. I think a lot more, I think what you're saying is really beautiful. As you were speaking, I was thinking about um, Audre Lorde's really uh, famous essay, Uses of the Erotic, The Erotic is Power. If you Google Audre Lorde erotic, it will come up. If you don't know who Audre Lorde is, she is um, a very powerful queer Black feminist writer. Um, So I encourage everyone to listen to that. But essentially what she talks about is learning to separate um, our erotic nature from like other types of sexuality that might be more crude and also using that as a source of power. And I think what you're talking about here is using that power to connect with the world around you, which is at the end of the day, when people ask, you know, what is the meaning of life? To me, it is finding that connection, connection to literally the dogs at the park, the trees at the park, the benches at the park, the other people at the park, wherever you are and, and finding yourself in it. And if you see yourself as an erotic person, then of course you're going to see those things reflected back to you, whether that be a beautiful sunset or the movement of the ocean or whatever, wherever you are and observing the beauty around us in the world. I think that is a point that I don't identify as eco-sexual, but I definitely understand when people say that to me because there is something moving and powerful about the world around us. A couple of weeks ago, I was on Clubhouse or last week I was on Clubhouse and we were talking about things. You're on Clubhouse. <laughs> yes, I did my first room last week. Um, it's, it's super fun, but we were talking about things that are not sexual that bring us pleasure. And one of the people in the room said the ocean. I don't understand it, but anytime I'm by the ocean or I see the ocean, I feel so much pleasure. I feel I have a really strong connection to it. And I, I understand, you know, if you've ever seen a mountain or been on a hike and seen a gorgeous sunset, all of those things can bring about, bring upon us great pleasure. And it's not weird to think that because the world is beautiful and it's powerful. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. And, um, we are all expressions of the divine in, in my opinion and uh, everything that we do and experience and connect with physically and energetically, I feel is an expression. And so it is um, beautiful to have intimacy and develop relationship. Um, so we are close to the end of our conversation, which is sad, but we always ask this question to our guests, and I would love to pose this question to you. If you could give your younger self one piece of advice about sexuality or spirituality or the combination of the two, what would it be? Ooh. You know, I think, so for me, my biggest struggle was um, coming out as queer and understanding that Mm -hmm. I didn't have to limit myself to one end of the sexuality spectrum or the other. I I battled all through my teenage years, like, am I a lesbian or am I straight? Am I into guys or girls? And then as I developed and evolved, I realized that I didn't 
have to choose <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> but I think my advice to my younger self would be um, stop living in a binary and understand mm. that um, who you are as a divine being in this world is outside of that entirely. Um, I probably would not understand at 19 what that means, but I think it would be helpful <laughs> to hear that, you know, this binary that you're trying to work within is not, it's not going to serve you either sexually or spiritually. And you deserve a life beyond that. Mm. That's so beautiful. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> um, so how can all of our listeners stay in touch with you um, or connect to you further? Sure. I would say the best way to get in touch with me is through my website, um, froeticsexology.com. And I have a newsletter that I send out twice a month with all of my info, any articles I've recently published, any um, YouTube videos I put up. I also have a YouTube channel. Anything important that I am doing comes through that newsletter. So I would say there and secondarily Instagram, my Instagram handle is at free froetic. Mm, amazing. Um, yeah, I was reading some of your, your blog articles earlier, definitely worth checking out anyone who's tuning in. Um, so thank you so, so much for joining us today. And it was truly a delight to talk with you. Thank you. Same to you. Same to you. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of this season. I'm sure it's going to be. <laughs> it is quite juicy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yay. The Sex Magic Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a collective, a community, a conversation. If what we do here resonates with you, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon. But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits, such as live Q&As where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality, along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path so if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the sex magic podcast i invite you to check out our patreon we have the link down in the show notes but you can also go on patreon.com slash sex magic podcast